John. I'm one of the pastors, and it's great for you all to be here with us worshiping. We're privileged uh, to be with you and to lead you in worship. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been in the book of 1 Samuel, and we're going to return to that in September, but starting next week, we're going to take five weeks and do what we call a vision series. So this is where we talk about where the church is now, where we're going, why we're going there, uh, rooting that in the scripture. So that's what we'll be doing the next five weeks. But in between ending 1 Samuel and starting that vision series, we had a week. And so I have the opportunity to do one of my favorite passages of scripture this morning. And that is 1 John chapter 1. Verses 5 through 10. If you're using one of the Bibles that's in the pews, it's on page 1021, or we'll have the scripture up on the screen. But as you're finding your way there, I want you to think about a question. What do you think about when you hear the word relationship? You think about dating or marriage? You think about friendships? Family relationship? Parents, siblings? Have you had positive or negative experiences when it comes to to relationships. Now what if I add the word real to that? What comes to mind when you think of real relationships? What happens in your heart and your mind when you reflect on that? Does it make you hopeful? Do you get a little bit anxious? Do you think of your best friend or maybe people you confide in? Or maybe you think, I don't have any real relationships. Nobody really knows me, or even I don't want to be really known by anyone because I'm afraid what they might think about me or learn about me. Well, as we read from 1 John this morning, the Apostle John is going to talk about real relationships. Now, he's going to use the word fellowship. We'll get into that a little bit deeper, but let's start by reading 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you in here, but just raise your hand, have heard of the children's story, The Velveteen Rabbit? Okay, A few of you, good number of you. So it's a story that's gotten lost in our culture a little bit. So even if you've heard of the story before, you may not have read it before. That was actually me a few years ago. But I've, I've got my kids and we read a ton of stuff to them or they read a lot of stuff. So we've, as, as they've begun to read and as they've come across this story, I've realized how much great stories have the ability to resonate with our heart and to point us toward what's good and true in the world. And the Velveteen Rabbit is one of those stories. In fact, in reading it, I think I've come to realize that it is one of the most powerful stories about authenticity, acceptance, and what it means to be real and to have real relationships 
that I've ever read. So this morning, we're going to do something a little bit unique. We're going to go through our text in 1 John alongside of the story of the Velveteen Rabbit. It's actually going to serve as all of our illustrations this morning. So in order to do that, let me give you a little bit of the beginning of the story, of the background. So it begins with a boy who receives a Velveteen Rabbit as a Christmas present. Now, right away when he receives it, he loves the present, but soon forgets about it in, in favor of more expensive mechanical toys that can move. Now, in the nursery, when they're alone, all of these toys can speak to each other. It's kind of like Toy Story a little bit. It, but in this nursery, the mechanical toys that can move would look down on the other toys, and they would say things to them like, we're real and you aren't. And so these insults, along with the lack of love and attention that the Velveteen Rabbit was missing from the boy, have led him to feel pretty insignificant and common. But he did have one friend in the nursery, the skin horse, who was one of the oldest toys in the nursery. So I want you to listen to this conversation between the two of them early in the book. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because once you're real, you can't be ugly. Except to people who don't understand. So what does a children's story about a toy who wants to become real have to do with First John? Well, according to the Apostle John, this longing that the rabbit had to be in relationship with the boy and to become real is a longing that we all have. We all want to have relationships where we're so understood, we're so real in others' eyes that we won't be rejected, we won't be ugly. But we know that in a broken world, surrounded by people who are just as broken as we are, that can be hard to find. I mentioned that in our passage, John calls these kind of real relationships fellowship, but he goes on to say that what prevents fellowship, this real relationship with God and with others, is what the Bible calls sin. You see, John's writing to a group of young Christians who were confused about the impact that sin would have on their relationships with one another and with God. And so they needed correction and assurance about how to have real relationship in a broken world. And so John's writing to help these young Christians, and by extension us, to see that it's only through Jesus that we can become clean from sin and enter into real relationship. John wants us to understand that Jesus is the one 
that makes us clean. And that being made clean by Jesus is the only way to have real relationship with God and with one another. So those are our two points this morning. Real relationship with God and real relationship with one another. Let's look first at real relationship with God. Look back with me at verses 5 and 6. John says that God is light. So as Christians, if we say we have fellowship with or real relationship with God, but we walk in darkness, then we're lying. Now, we'll look at why he begins this way in just a moment, but let me clarify something that could be a little bit confusing about these terms light and darkness. Now, in our culture, we often use light and darkness as metaphors like John is doing here, but we tend to use them a lot more generally. So we will say, you know, light is good and darkness is bad. And so the problem with that is it can easily lead us to read this verse as simply saying that God's good, and as long as we aren't really bad people, then we can have real relationship with him. Now, I understand the temptation to want to read that verse that way. I doubt that many in this room would say, I'm a really bad person. We look at the world and we feel like we know bad people when we see them. And so we, we want to think, if God's just, he's going to see what I see. He's going to see good people and bad people. But I want you to consider that God is actually more just about it than we are. When John says that God is light, he doesn't just simply mean that God is good. He actually means that God is perfect, or as the Bible calls it, God is holy. And when he says, if we walk in the darkness, he doesn't mean if we're really bad people. He actually means if we walk anywhere outside of the perfect holiness of God. Now think about that for a minute. That's actually a pretty convicting verse for us. Because I do that every single day. And I would guess that you do too. Anytime I walk outside of the perfect holiness of God, the Bible calls that sin. And it says that it makes my fellowship, my relationship with God impossible. Because God is perfectly holy and just. He can't have any relationship with darkness. So my walking in the darkness, my sin, makes real relationship with God impossible. So where is their hope? Where is there any chance of any of us having a real relationship with God? We'll look down at verses 7 and 9. John says, The blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our hope is that it isn't through our own efforts, it's through the work of Jesus that we can be restored to real relationship with God. It's not my ability to constantly stay in the light. It's not my ability to live as holy as possible, although those are important things. I have to be made clean declared clean by the one who's already clean, already in a real relationship with God, Jesus. Only he can cleanse me. 
So let's look back at the Velveteen Rabbit. One night, the boy can't find one of his other toys, and so he's given the Velveteen Rabbit to sleep with. And from that night on, the rabbit becomes his favorite toy. He sleeps with him every night. He hugs him. He holds him. He kisses his nose. And this love from the boy to him eventually has its effect. Listen to these words. And so time went on, and the little rabbit was very happy. So happy that he never noticed how his beautiful velveteen fur was getting shabbier and shabbier, and his tail becoming unsewn, and all the pink rubbed off in his nose where the boy had kissed him. Spring came, and they had long days in the garden, for wherever the boy went, the rabbit went too. He had rides in the wheelbarrow and picnics in the grass and lovely fairy huts built for him under the raspberry canes behind the flower border. And once, when the boy was called away suddenly to go out to tea, the rabbit was left in the lawn until long after dusk. And Nana had to come look for him with a candle because the boy couldn't go to sleep unless he was there. He was wet through with dew and quite earthy from diving into the burrows the boy had made for him in the flower bed. And Nana grumbled as she rubbed him off with a corner of her apron. You must have your old bunny, she said. Fancy all that fuss for a toy. The boy sat up in bed and stretched out his hands. Give me the bunny, he said. You mustn't say that. He isn't a toy. He's real. When the little rabbit heard that, he was happy. For he knew that what the skin horse had said was true at last. The nursery magic had happened to him. And he was a toy no longer. He was real. The boy himself had said it. That night he was almost too happy to sleep, and so much love stirred in his little sawdust heart that it almost burst. You see, what John's telling us is that like this boy and this rabbit, it's a declaration from the one who loves us that brings us into real relationship. God, through the cleansing work of Jesus, declares us to be real. He declares us to be clean like the boy, he stretches out his arms and he welcomes us in to his real, perfect, relational light. And just like those who John was writing this letter to, each of us this morning needs to be made clean by Jesus. We constantly battle walking in the darkness. But when we fail, we have one who speaks to the Father on our behalf. We have one who makes us clean. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. So when we turn to him, we confess our sins rather than ignore them or deny them. And we're restored to real relationship with God. Because I know that deep down, you're just like me. You long for fellowship with the one who made you. Would you confess your brokenness to Jesus this morning? Would you let him cleanse you? That is the only hope for real relationship with God. But fortunately, it's a hope that does not depend on your ability. It depends on the already finished work of the one who loves you. Let Jesus cleanse you, declare you to be loved and cleansed, and enter into real relationship with your Father. We all long for that restored relationship with God, but we also long for restored relationships with one another. Look again at our passage and see how we can have real relationship with one another. Look at verse 7. When I was working in campus ministry, I would often read the first half of this verse to students, and I would ask them how they expected it to finish. 
If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with. And unless they already knew the verse, they would almost always answer with him. Because it makes sense to us that walking in the light would foster relationship with God. But it shocks us to see the words with one another. How does walking in the light lead to real relationship with one another? Well, I think it's good to ask a couple questions here about what light does. What happens when light is shown in a dark place? Is it possible to shine light onto something and not expose what's really there? Well, I think we all know the answer to that is no. When light shines, darkness disappears, and what's really there is exposed. Now, when some of us hear the word exposed, that can be pretty frightening. I say us because I'm afraid of it too. When we think of who we are really being exposed, we think of shame and guilt, fear. We think about being caught, caught in our ugliness, in our brokenness. As someone who's experienced this fear of exposure most of my life, it can be paralyzing. When I'm in a situation that exposes the real me, I can literally physically feel my insides tightening up. But I want us to think for a moment about where the real source of that fear lies. Because if you're like me, the fear isn't that someone would see the ugliness and brokenness of the real me. It's that they would see the ugliness and brokenness of the real me and reject me. It's the fear that the real me isn't worth relationship. That fear strikes at the very core of who we are because God created us for real relationship with one another. The Christian pastor and poet John Donne famously said, no man is an island. What he meant by that is that God does not create any person to live without real relationship. Just like God exists in perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so people are designed for real relationship with one another. It's who we are as people made in God's image. But that also means that as image bearers, we have an incredible ability to give value to or inflict wounds on other image bearers. A little bit later in the Velveteen Rabbit, the boy leaves the rabbit on the ground near some woods. And two actual rabbits come out of the trees and they begin talking with him. They notice that they're each different. So the actual rabbits begin questioning the Velveteen Rabbit about why he won't come play with them. They ask if he can jump, if he has hind legs, if he can dance. The Velveteen Rabbit begins to fear as he realizes how different he is. Listen to their conversation. The strange rabbit came quite close. He came so close this time that his long whiskers brushed the velveteen's rabbit ear, ra- velveteen rabbit's ear. Then he wrinkled his nose suddenly and flattened his ears and jumped backward. He doesn't smell right, he exclaimed. He isn't a rabbit at all. He isn't real. I am real, said the little rabbit. I am real. The boy said so. 
and he nearly began to cry. Just then there was the sound of footsteps and the boy ran past near them and with the stamp of feet, a flash of white tails as the two strange rabbits disappeared. Come back and play with me, called the little rabbit. Oh, do come back. I know I'm real. But there was no answer. Only the little ants ran to and fro and the bracken swayed gently where the two strangers had passed. The velveteen rabbit was all alone. Oh dear, he thought. Why did they run away like that? Why couldn't they stop and talk to me? For a long time he lay very still, watching the bracken and hoping they would come back. But they never returned, and presently the sun sank lower, and little white moths fluttered out, and the boy came and carried him home. Weeks passed, and the little rabbit grew very old and shabby, but the boy loved him just as much. He loved him so hard that he loved all his whiskers off, and the pink lining to his ears turned gray and his brown spots faded. He even began to lose his shape, and he scarcely looked like a rabbit anymore, except to the boy. To him, he was always beautiful, and that was all the little rabbit cared about. He didn't mind how he looked to other people, because the nursery magic had made him real. And when you're real, shabbiness doesn't matter. See, we have an opportunity as image bearers to be like the rabbits or to be like the boy. John wants to remind us that the cleansing work of Jesus empowers us to walk in the light and pursue real relationship with one another. Our relationship with God isn't something to be used to hold over others as an achievement because it was accomplished by the work of Jesus and the declaration of God, not by anything that we did. Just like the rabbits in our story didn't become, choose to become real rabbits, they were made real by their creator. So the question is, how are we going to use our God-given realness? Are we going to use it to call out the ugliness and brokenness of others in order to elevate ourselves? Or will we speak words of love and life and acceptance so that others might enter into real relationships? When we have the opportunity to relate to another person, we have to remember that they are an image bearer who needs the cleansing work of Jesus just like we do. Another question we have to answer is, how are we going to respond when someone else speaks words to us of relationship or words of rejection? When another person's willing to walk in the light with us, are we willing to expose ourselves to that risk? I'd encourage you that the benefit of real relationship is not only worth it, it's the only way to really live in the world that God's created. But not everyone is a safe person who speaks words of relationship. There are many who unintentionally or intentionally will speak words of rejection to us, like the two rabbits did. We're told that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, but that's not true. Words do have power, those that we give and those that we receive. Like the rabbits in the story, many people are going to say words to us that make us question if we're real, if we're worthy of relationship. But when we're tempted to question our value because of relational wounds inflicted by another person, we must rest and remember the work of Jesus. His cleansing has declared us to be real. So when wounds come, and they are going to come, rest in the love and cleansing work of Jesus. His work enables us to give and to receive 
real relationship and to survive in the face of rejection. Let Jesus cleanse you and enter into real relationship with one another. At the end of the Velveteen Rabbit, the boy gets sick with scarlet fever. He recovers, but the doctor fears that the rabbit may be covered in the infected germs, and so they throw him into a bag with the trash for the gardener to burn. He waits in the bag overnight, and he reflects on his journey. This is what it says. He thought of the wonderful day when he first knew that he was real. He thought of the skinned horse so wise and gentle and all that he had told him. Of what use was it to be loved and lose one's beauty and become real if it all ended like this? And a tear, a real tear, trickled down his little shabby velvet nose and fell to the ground. And then a strange thing happened. For where the tear had fallen, a flower grew out of the ground, a mysterious flower, not at all like any that grew in the garden. It had a slender green leaves, the color of emeralds. And in the center of the leaves, a blossom like a golden cup. It was so beautiful that the little rabbit forgot to cry and just lay there watching it. And presently the blossom opened, and out of it stepped a fairy. She was quite the loveliest fairy in the whole world. Her dress was of pearl and dewdrops, and there were flowers around her neck and in her hair, and her face was like the most perfect flower of all. And she came close to the little rabbit and gathered him up in her arms and kissed him on his velveteen nose that was all damp from crying. Little rabbit, she said. Don't you know who I am? The rabbit looked up at her, and it seemed to him that he had seen her face before, but he couldn't think where. I'm the nursery magic fairy, she said. I take care of all the playthings that the children have loved. When they're old and worn out and the children don't need them anymore, then I come and take them away with me and turn them into real. Wasn't I real before? asked the rabbit. You were real to the boy, the fairy said, because he loved you. Now you shall be real to everyone. See, in our passage, John is teaching us that we live in a world that is already, but not yet. What I mean by that is that there is a tension between the world now and the world that's going to come. We've been cleansed by Jesus, yet we still need to confess the sin that we fight against. We walk in the perfect light of real relationship with God, but we venture back into the darkness and we don't practice the truth. We have the privilege to be in relationship with one another, but we fear the rejection and exposure and we reject others through our words and actions. Are we always going to live in that tension? What hope is there for us? Well, praise God that there's one coming that's going to end that tension. Jesus. One day we're going to see him and like the velveteen rabbit we'll remember that we've seen his face before. He will turn us into real. The complete and finished kind of real that's real for everyone. Let's pray. Jesus we ask you to come. We long for the day that you're going to return. We long for you to finish the work that you started in us. We long to be made fully real by you. Until that day, remind us of your cleansing work that covers our sin and makes it possible to really know you and others. Go with us and be with us for your glory. Amen.